0: Listeners are advised, this podcast contains coarse language, themes of an adult nature, and inappropriate thoughts about boy bands. And inappropriate thoughts by boy bands, motherfucker.
1: Hello, I'm Amy Long. And I'm Zoe Linkson. And today, on our mini bonus track, we're
0: discussing the boy band con. The Lou Pearlman story. Which we have been waiting for... Since I mean, I'm going to say I, my entire life. Yeah. Um, it feels like that. It's, yeah, but technically January. Well, at least... I, mean, I, I heard last year that it was being done. I don't think at the stage I heard that, that Lance Bass was making the film that I was as obsessed with Lou Pearlman as I, I am right at this moment in time.
1: Well, we all know how obsessed I've been with Lou Perlman for a long time. And uh, we've, got, we've
0: got all the books. We've read every article possible on the internet. We I listened that... to every podcast. Yeah. We rewatched Making the Band earlier this year, didn't we? <laughs> At least four or five. I mean, I rewatched Making the Band yesterday in preparation oh. for this, because I just wanted to get a little bit more feel for a live Lou. <laughs> yes, a live Lou, yes. Yeah, um, so this is it. This is our episode. This is I'm With A Boy Band Does Lou Perlman oh no oh no so, no in fact i don't even want to say that this is i'm with the boy band does the boy band con yeah okay so let's
1: go ahead and start with the quote that you liked from the film
0: uh, mine was right at the beginning and mine's a quote from aaron carter mm. not in a boy band mm. what people don't understand is the man responsible for all this was lou Pearlman.
1: People did understand that.
0: No, but uh, see, the reason I pulled that quote out is mm. actually no. He, he wasn't, wasn't responsible. He, he that wasn't. Was, yeah, cause right. he was talking about the phenomena of boy bands, oh, saying right. that Lou Lou Pearl was responsible for boy bands being a thing. No, he wasn't. No, that's so not. That's the quote that I okay, yeah. I pulled out. But my, Michelle- my favourite did you say that was right at the start it was right at the start right, so
1: my favourite quote is the from the very end it's the very very last thing that is said in the whole film and it's AJ McLean McLean McLean, it's aj from the backstreet boys <laughs> i don't have it verbatim but he says about how lou said that he sat down with his clients and their parents and their lawyers and went through all the contracts point by point explained everything answered every question that everybody had to make sure everyone was really really happy and aj goes ha ha <laughs> ha well that's bullshit and i just thought it was really really funny it made me laugh a lot okay
0: so general feeling about the film, I, as a, a Perlman obsessive, mm. I, it didn't bring me anything new I didn't already know. Yes. It did pull together a lot of things that I knew having gleaned it from other sources. So there'd be a bit that someone had quoted here that was in one article and a bit yes. that was from another article over here and it took all the boy band view of what went down and put it in one place. Yeah,
1: Yes, there was a number of details i had heard in previous podcasts or i had heard i don't know where i'd heard but had heard previously like you say i don't think there was anything new there was a few specific very specific things that i had not heard such as well
0: first of all it was good to hear it from the boy band members perspective but nikki from innocence that was the same thing so i think that's the first thing i texted when i so i watched this when well, i watched this it Came out on Wednesday, and we were there at midnight on Wednesday. Amy was checking at (laughs) dead of midnight on Wednesday to see if it had gone up. I was asleep at this point, so I started checking when I got up Wednesday morning, which was at 4.30, and it still wasn't up. So, constantly throughout the day, the two of us are checking to see if it's there, and it's still not there, it's still not there. This is really bad, we're never going to get it. And it came... Not long before I was due to leave work on Wednesday. It was just after two o'clock, wasn't it? Yeah, so I downloaded it onto my phone, because with YouTube Premium, you can download shit onto your phone. Yeah. So I listened to it on the way home. So it was, you know, I was going bus to train to another bus Mm. on my way home. So when I was stood waiting or sat on the train, I was watching. But when I was doing the walking bit, I was listening to it like it kind of was a podcast. Mm. So that was my first listen and i think i was just so desperate for you to watch but knowing that i didn't want to give you any spoilers like being really really conscious of not spoiling anything for you but the one bit i said to you was i mean the first hour of it was all stuff we knew before and all stuff we'd heard before and i said to you the first hour you're going to be like oh i'm not sure this is the greatest thing i've ever watched because i know and then after an hour it kicks in and the one thing i said to you was watch out for what the girl from innocence says mm. and that because, was the first say, thing i'd never really heard because before. did you say you'd had a preconception of her previously or... yeah well, i think that was a girl group preconception yeah i just uh, I, i'm not a massive fan of girl groups they always seem quite they're too perfect for yeah. me yeah yeah i had a preconception that i didn't think i'd like the girls that were in it and it was okay i also thought it was great that they were included yes and it, you did kind of get one person from most of the bands that Coleman yeah. had worked with. Three which, from In Sync, Right. And yeah, two Sync mums. <laughs> Do you think he had an in? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had a, a, I don't want to say a preconceived idea. I didn't dislike her. I didn't like yeah. her. I just wasn't sure that I was going to be a, a fan or feel that she brought anything to it. Yes. Because they weren't a massive act and it. He did, even if he did rip them off or it was in a bad way it wasn't going to be on the scale that he did it to BSB or NSYNC so yeah. although she'd have a contribution it wasn't a kind of he stole hundreds of millions from us mm. and we had to sue it wasn't but what she did bring to the conversation was something that I'd never heard before and actually it was one of, I found it one of the most valuable contributions and a really big insight into how Lou operated
1: yeah absolutely what was what was that part because there was a couple of things with her
0: yeah so the part that i was referencing was she spoke about how they discovered that lou lou had a tanning room in his house they would go in there and tan you know trying to keep up their fresh look they wanted to look like you know young healthy girls yeah they'd go in there and they'd strip off yeah and get into the sunbed naked and that within this room lou had cameras hidden cameras hidden cameras in the room and made to be filmed and he would show that footage that he recorded to the other boy bands yeah and that just the pure invasion of that was and i knew that he you know i didn't it wasn't like up until this point i thought he was a good guy (laughs) and that's a model citizen and that turned it around (laughs) for me but it just cemented the whole what's the word i'm looking for the 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 planning, the how how everything, and it also slightly the whole the thing about Lou having cameras around the house and watching everything from his
1: bedroom in the control
0: center. Yeah, Mm. had a very a slight feeling of Netherlands to me. Oh my god, I've written this down in my notes (laughs) as well. (laughs) So they
1: said that I'm just sorry if you can hear pages turning. I've got notes that I made.
0: So many notes. I didn't do notes because. I, I mean, I've watched it at this point five times. Well, twice just doing the listening bit. I did it again in the car on the way over. Where I just played it like it was a podcast. Mm. I just had the voices. But I've watched it three times. But the two times I watched it yesterday was when I was writing... The next episode, so it was as I was writing for the the two boy bands, we're going to do it in the Friday's actual episode.
1: Yes. Well, just on that tanning bed thing, I had a hilarious moment, which I don't think was supposed to be hilarious, was when Aaron Carter, who very much spoke in defence of Lou Perman all the way through, he shouted, I went on that tanning bed all the time! My mum did too. And it just made me laugh so much because the (laughs) idea that Lou Pearlman was watching Aaron Carter's mum, Tan, just was (laughs) too much. But what I wrote down about the Michael Jackson thing was that they said that his house was like Disneyland and that's very much how Neverland had been described. Yeah,
0: the theme park thing that you go in. And I don't think it came up so much as it might have a very tiny little bit where they said his house like he had pool tables and slot machines hmm. and video games and, and you'd go theatre, in it and... had um a real R2 D two so you'd go in and to a boy going in, it it just felt it was all geared up to what things are young kids gonna be into, yeah. what will they see as this is the best place in the world to be mm. and it felt like so home but that may on the same vein have been that Lou was still quite childlike.
1: Yes, they described him as a grown up kid, which again shades of michael jackson yeah it just made me feel a lot of what they were saying about how he made you feel like the most important person in the room he asked about you and made you feel special and that a lot of these kids didn't have father figures in their lives one
0: other quote that i wrote down was lance bass saying lou was a charming charming guy he made you feel that someone cared yeah doesn't that just make you feel like he was grooming them all it is a very it's it is the set-off point the start-off point but i don't wanna say like this isn't and I don't want to touch too much on Michael Jackson because I know for even for a lot of our listeners the is he, isn't he is a very big like it's quite divisive among the people it that is. listen to us. Anyway. Um and I don't I don't want to put anyone off from listening to what we've got to say about Lou because they don't agree with our opinions on Michael Jackson. Mm. I don't necessarily think that it was a grooming in that context. No. because the people no. there were all people of age. And also of value to him. Yes, like it wasn't any boy without a dad could come over. It was, it was his boys boy band members that would have a future value, and he. Okay. he and maybe that was part of his investment in what he did was setting up this yeah. theme park where they could come around and they'd see Lou as you know Big Papa. Yeah. Someone cool to hang yeah. out with.
1: And actually, what the guy, the PR guy, whose name I can't remember from Transcontinental had said in relation to the cameras he had around the house. Is that everyone was over eighteen, so they were there from of their own free will, yeah, and they could leave at any time. So we're not calling Lou Pearlman a pedophile. We just want to put that out there as well. But the the lines were,
0: odd. yeah, I think there's a very blurred line in his it. is I want to call it a sexual proclivity because I I mean he he never came out as gay. He had girlfriends. He didn't sleep with his girlfriends. So it may have been that they were a fun. Mm. It may have been that. You know, he didn't have a high sex drive. Who knows what, you know... Well, Lance what...
1: says that as a closeted gay person himself, he just assumed that Lou was a gay man. Yeah. And never asked any questions. Yeah.
0: And I don't want to make an accusation of child grooming or paedophilia because the young boys that he had around were all, yeah. you know, in their late teens. It wasn't like he he was collecting... 11 year olds or 12 year olds they were all of age so it may just be like like I said to you earlier Mm. I like bad boys and I like bad boys who are in their mid to late 20s maybe early 30s like that's my thing that's what I find attractive cougar. (laughs) but that's what I find attractive it may just have been that if that was his sexual attraction actually it was they were late teens early 20s those are the boys that he surrounded himself with if Hmm. that was his inclination well he
1: used to get them to take their shirts off so he could have a look at their bodies so and at the time that it didn't seem out of context to them because they were like oh we have to be in shape we're in this boy band so maybe he just Mm. wants
0: to check we're in shape who knows? So I... <laughs> it's that whole... It, it is in the context of how and when it was happening, it seemed quite normal, but mm. that is how yeah, grooming works, Yes, yeah,
1: absolutely. It? I think overall, I felt like he was completely delusional, Lou Pearlman. He was delusional. He lied about the newspaper route that he said he bought, yeah. and he lied about him being a child prodigy with a business brain yeah. he lied about him being the person
0: who was obsessed with blimps yeah. he obviously liked them and and it's one of the other i didn't write down this quote but it i listened to it on in the car on the way over so it's the guy from mitchell gardens who wasn't alan gross so the there was, one that was there the was brothers.
1: david who
0: was the paper route guy yes yeah, so david <laughs> said that lou would make up these lies and then start to believe his own lies exactly were true right. yeah. and most of it was ended up bullshit
1: yeah which is why they didn't believe he was mark garfunkel's cousin which we had mentioned in a previous podcast that we were like is that true isn't that
0: true yeah we were talking about the context of he um, but then that's another one of his lies. and i feel that in this they didn't touch too much on what which aspects of it were lies and weren't lies. like they did a little bit to say lou said this about his paper out he said this but there were other lies and an amalgamation of bullshit that he told And for some of it, they perpetuated it Mm. when we know now that it's not true. Like, Lou's set-up story of how he got into boy bands as that he had chartered a plane to new kids on the block and someone said to him, oh, they're making 800 million a year and that's how he decided to get into boy bands. Well, one, Lou wasn't charing planes he didn't own any planes no so and he was hiring the, them by the hour yeah, part of his story was that he'd have these planes and he'd kit them out and rent them to rock stars that that's bullshit <laughs> um in tyler gray's book the Hitcherade, it goes into more detail and says he had tyler gray spoke to maurice Starr mm. to say do you remember lou perlman being around and maurice Starr has said he didn't ever remember mm. renting a plane from lou perlman yeah and there's even variations on that story. Ones, he was with he, his cousin, Art Garfunkel, told him they were making eight hundred million a year. Maurice Starr told him they were making eight hundred million a year. Some random dude who happened to be on the plane when they were in it told. So it, it's every it's like lie whisper. has has mm. a different version. It's kind of if all these versions are coming for Lou, but yeah, it. I felt that that the setup of how he got into boy bands, which we know is a lie, was perpetuated in this because they didn't examine it and go, actually, Lou, Mm. that didn't happen, did it? Mm.
1: And we don't know if that was edited for time or it didn't fit the story. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: so much information that we know that if... I mean, I sat yesterday and did our much-talked-about Lou Perlman timeline. Yes. And there is so much. that, And this, Lance's film, is based around how how the boy band thing fed into Lou's Ponzi scheme Mm -hmm. and the bigger frauds. And the other little bits and pieces that we know, like... The helicopter. So right at the start, his childhood friend talks about how she was late for a job interview, and Lou sent a helicopter for her. Well, nowhere does it explain that at this point, Lou would try to start up a helicopter um, commuter business where it would. shuttle people from the airports into manhattan via helicopter and another failed business it didn't work and also how the setup of that business was lou bullshitting different financial people to get the money for these helicopters yeah. and yet it never made any money yes. so this great business mind right from the beginning was was already failing and yeah. it was just that he would manage to convince people that oh i'm getting a load of finance and this guy in germany he's mm-hmm. and it's the guy that owns 12.5% of my company over here is this massive millionaire that owns another plane company. And I it didn't touch a, on enough of that for my satisfaction. But I think coming in raw, if you don't mm. know as much about Lou as we do, the way that Lance did it and how the story was told, it, it, it does feel complete. Yeah, it does. I have questions because I know a lot more. The guy in Germany turned out to be a fake guy in Germany, didn't he? No. So the guy in Germany was real. Okay, he would tell the investors i can't get your money out the guy that owns that's in charge of it all in germany he's not letting me get the money out and it only came out much later when one of his co-investors on the blimp business went over to germany and went look i really need the money out and Luce says you're not giving it can you just and the guy's like i have nothing to do with this airline company at all yeah it's bullshit i don't know what he's telling you yeah but i'm not the reason you're not getting your money yeah and that's where some of the questions about Mm. Lou first began to be raised yes they
1: also didn't go into with the blimp stuff so they said that he bought that cheap blimp for 10 grand but it was the wrong shape and they had it rebuilt refashioned into a blimp shape and then the gold paint they put on went a bit brown and it just looked like a big poo in the sky (laughs) and it was always going to crash and it was really interesting to hear Alan Gross who was his partner in the blimp company say that he believed that Lou always intended to commit insurance fraud. Something I did take away from the film is that all of these boy band members, all of their mums, they all had really great affection for Lou. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, the words they used to describe him and his friends as well: endearing, generous, fun, positive. He had a strong work ethic. But but that's how con men
0: work, though, isn't
1: it? But even now, that's how they were describing him. This is how he was, and when they talk, they they kind of light up when they think about how he was in those early days before things changed.
0: And I suppose, yeah, and even the ones that had been through legal battles with him to just get the money that they were earning do still yeah. talk of him with affection. Mm. Like, Lou was the, the source of we wouldn't be without Lou. So the the other thing is that,
1: in a sense, you know, we we said it earlier, like, Aaron Aaron Carter whatever his name is Aaron Aaron (laughs) he says Lou Lou was responsible for this and we're saying well actually he wasn't but they still feel that they owe their careers to Lou Palman and I suppose they do
0: but I guess he had the nugget of an idea to do it yeah and I mean I I had issue I took issue with the fact that they're still saying Lou's this great impresario like without all this Mm. without Lou there'd be none of it which is kind of to a point, but Lou financed it. Like yeah. Lou wasn't a great mind, and when you read Tyler again, going back to Tyler Gray's book *The Hip charade when you read the pattern of how it happened, Lou decided to put together this boy band, and the people he brought in to do it actually weren't particularly successful. Mm. And it wasn't until he brought on Johnny and Donna Wright, mm-hmm. who had the in to the record companies and could call up people and go listen to these guys can we talk about getting them a contract yeah. those two were pivotal in getting the contracts up until that point lou was literally just paying for housing and lessons and yes. he had a couple of people on board whose name names escape me they don't even they don't appear they're mm. not mentioned in the boy band con who he thought would would make that a bit of it happen and he's chosen the wrong people because lou didn't know about the music industry yeah. and it wasn't until he got johnny and donna on that that shit started to happen
1: so johnny also says something really interesting because w- when they were talking about how in for instance had made no money in three years they'd been paid a, p- a per diem or a pd which is essentially a pocket money each day yes, to live what off. you're meant
0: to your living expenses it's so usually you pay about for your own food if you're it's, not getting... yeah
1: it's usually somewhere between 25 and 50 dollars a day i don't know what it was in this case
0: 35 I think. I think, this, this I think cent- that $35. number
1: sticks in my yeah. head as well. And then he was paying for the house. So he we said last week on the five episode, was this when boy bands had, or girl bands had first been put into a house together? But Lou had already done that, mm. wanted them to bond. So he was paying for this house and all these meals that they were going out for, he was paying for those, although we later find out he wasn't. And they, he was going to recoup those back. Because that recoupables word comes up. But they went and then they sat down together and they had this check presentation and it was ten grand, which was less than minimum wage. Yeah, and they were all told that the contracts they had were bad contracts. Okay, so NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were not told that, but all the bands that came later, so O Town in making the band took a really long time to sign their contracts, and yeah, I remember because... thinking that at the time. And Innocent said the same that the advice they were given is these are bad contracts this is career suicide and they all signed them anyway yeah
0: that was nikki wasn't it from innocence mm. again saying i looked at it and i just decided to go for it anyway yeah
1: because it was a record contract yeah. but johnny wright said the thing is though with these bands as you give them a contract to start off with that protects your interest because you're the one investing as things progress and they become successful and things start to change you have to change the terms of that contract yeah. And I'm like, Johnny Wright, you fucking know your shit, mate. You are good
0: at this. But Lou didn't do that.
1: So he Lou was... wasn't willing to do that.
0: Yes. And 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 the root cause of that is that this is now how he was funding his Ponzi scheme. Mm. So he had all these investors in Transcon Air or Airship Enterprises mm-hmm. who had put money into that that were ex- expecting a, a yearly dividend yes. from it. And the way... Uh, i don't want to go into how ponzi schemes work is you're you're telling people you will make x amount of money but your company's bullshit so yeah. you're not making any money so you you set up another group of investors to go invest your money in me you'll make this much from it mm-hmm. and then you when they give you their money you use that money to pay off the other people Scrape, if you have to you scraping might off to. a little bit for right. yourself and and you know, perpetually it happens yeah. again and again. So you have to then find another way to make money to, to pay off Group B, give yeah. them their dividends. Or to start a new thing or to do whatever the fuck you want um, to do. And steal their was, money. And he was making a lot of money a out lot of boy money. bands. He was. He had his six-member amount, he had his management amount, mm-hmm. he had the bit... He, You know, there's loads of different pockets of how he was getting a lot more money off the boy bands than the boy bands mm. were. And some of that was going into... Paying off the investors in his Ponzi to to keep up the illusion that he was this massively successful businessman. Mm. But when you look in depth into it, actually, he wasn't. So he had this whole pyramid, you know, or web of lies put up about all his different companies and how you know, this one's making 90 million a year, this one's making 100 million a year and it was all, all the financials were made up but he would take those financials to banks and they would give him more money. Because they would see Backstreet Boys in sync and they were
1: like, well, this man obviously knows what he's doing.
0: And he had financial reports from his airline businesses Mm. that were saying, oh yeah, we made 92 million this year, we're projected to make 94 million this year. So he was taking those to banks and they were going, yeah, this is a sure thing. But every single one of these banks that he was financing off was putting a lien on something so it'd be like okay but what are you going to put down as security Mm. so it'd be his massive house Mm. or his royalties from this boy band Mm. or or that so when it all came tumbling down at the end there were a lot of banks that were all like well, we own the house. Well, no, no, we own the house. No, but didn't we- you? Or we own the Backstreet Boys. <laughs>
1: didn't you think, though, when the FBI investigation took place and they went into that office, which was a completely staged office, yeah. <laughs> and then she, when Jacqueline, what, I can't remember her name, but she went in to work on the Monday and everything had been dropped because he'd bought his way out. He'd paid off. Chris the, Christie.
0: Was it Chris Christie? Someone Christo. Someone
1: Christ. Something, yeah. something Christ, who is now a congressman which is yeah
0: but there wasn't the first that wasn't even the first time that his business dealings had been flagged up to authorities Mm. so alan gross at one point had flagged him up to someone to say this guy needs looking into yeah there was an earlier opportunity and we will go into this in much more detail when we do the loophole episode yes but there was two or three other incidents Mm. when he could have been looked into properly and if people had followed up complaints made about him and gone okay let me look into this a little bit they would have seen that actually it. The whole it was a complete business front, mm. and behind it was just nothingness. It was, it was just a cavern. A, it was all
1: just fraud. Yeah, and when both Nikki from Innocence, I wish I knew her surname. Leech. Sorry, Nikki Leach. When Nikki Leach from Innocence. And Chris Kirkpatrick from InSync said this as well. They said, We don't understand why he did this because he had everything. He had these successful boy bands. Why did he do this? And I thought, Oh God, did they not realise that the whole
0: of his career yeah. was a complete All his fraud money. And like, the boy bands the, were part the, of the, that. The big house that he had, not his, it was a sham. Yes. Everything was. But the, affront- did you get the impression that the boy bands were set up so he could get more money? Yeah they were not he didn't eat from his own bullshit even within his own bullshit story that he made up Mm. i saw this boy band and was told they were making 800 million a year and thought oh i'm having a bit of that Mm. and i get it
1: people go into business to make money obviously that's what the whole object of the exercise is that makes sense But I don't feel like he went into the boy band business to make money to create more boy bands or more artists or more acts. I felt like it was all
0: to fund the Ponzi scheme. Yeah, absolutely. All the way along. Mm. And I still take such issue with them saying that Lou was this great musical impresario. He wasn't. He he, he had the pot. He had the three million that was put into Backstreet Boys in a little pot all money that he had stolen at some point Mm -hmm, from someone else mm -hmm. but he was like okay this is the investment I'm going to put in Mm. and we will make this and he lucked on them being successful yes yeah definitely and he lucked on NSYNC being it wasn't anything Lou did or any contribution he made Mm. from his vast knowledge of how to make a boy band or the music industry Mm. that made them successful and And the proof of that is the fact that he following those two he had a string of other acts that weren't successful exactly exactly and
1: NSYNC were popular out of luck as well they became popular because the uh, Backstreet Boys turned down that one Disney special and NSYNC jumped in and Backstreet didn't know anything about NSYNC because he hid them he hid them in the business nobody at Transcon knew anything about NSYNC did they? Mm. they were down as B5 or something all expenses were down as B5 there's some brilliant footage of them on a tour bus and I think it's is it Justin's mum or Lance's mum's on there? And she's like, Oh, stop pretending you've got fans and there and Justin's going, We have got fans. Look, there's two people out there. <laughs> and they had no fans because nobody knew who they were. They were completely hidden. Yeah. Again, because it was all fucking bullshit from Lou. Yeah. And he didn't want to piss off the Backstreet Boys. And then rightly, Who were at
0: that point his you know number one band. And where he was getting, where he was actually making money from. So and the analogy that He gave when questioned
1: was Backstreet Boys are like Coke, and someone's gonna make Pepsi, and it might as well be me.
0: Which actually is probably one of the smartest things. <laughs> yeah, I've but, heard from him. But you but make Pepsi then you go... and fuck off Coke on. the <laughs> <laughs> But again, was that a bullshit quote? I Who knows? Nobody knows. Just, I can't hear anything. When someone says to me, "Lou said this," like, unless I'm bullshit. watching a video of yeah. Lou saying that, and even if I'm watching a video of it Lou might be saying lies. it, I might realize it's kind of like I there don't are no know. Facts. That's
1: what comes <laughs> up, isn't it? There are no facts. But I also absolutely loved the the moment when they talked about that charity basketball game. Yeah, and when they when went out to McDonald's. and JC and who was it from Backstreet? Brian, Brian and Nick. And they got together at McDonald's and they were like, or in the limo on the way to yeah. McDonald's and Johnny said they could hear them saying, well, Lou told us this, well, Lou told us that. And they finally got together and had that conversation having been mortal enemies. And they realised that everything he was saying to them was just pitting them
0: against each other. Yeah. Divide and, and conquer. That actually was probably... The greatest marketing move Lupo ever made in any of his businesses, mm. creating that whole backstreet versus sync thing, which, when you speak now to, I've been speaking to some fans on the Facebook page, yeah, that 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 was a thing. Like magazine covers would have, you know, the battle on the front cover you'd pick one band and you wouldn't if someone in the same school as you liked the other band you weren't friends yeah you would fight for your boy band yeah and that in itself was probably the greatest creating that battle yeah wanting your boy band and how much will you feed into wanting your boy band to be the best yeah like oh, i'm gonna buy all the records i'm gonna watch everything that they do i'm gonna buy all the t-shirts that completely fed into what Lou needed, and it probably made them more money having that. So as much yes. as Backstreet Boys hated it, it probably prolonged them for for yeah, yeah, a, it's true. a length of time. Yeah, it probably because did. When they were, and we 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 talk about the boy band arc that you mm. you're big, you're big, you're big, and then all of a sudden no one's interested. Actually, yeah. people are carrying on being interested in you because they want to see what you're going to do to one up and sink, and you and have that, to up your game exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. carried on their the length of their boy band career longer than it it possibly would have yeah. without without nsync coming along absolutely so yeah that's possibly the one really good marketing thing that lou did and probably didn't even plot it that way no exactly it, it was it, it an accident it, it <laughs> wasn't I, I need a boy band to create a boy band no, battle he was, he he was, was like, i need another boy band because i need more money he was to... what aj said blinded by greed right. he was just greedy i think we all can be a little bit though yeah <laughs> I've
1: I've got another quote from AJ that I really loved. AJ was the star of the show for me. You I really, tell. really like AJ. I love him too. I think he's amazing. I love...
0: Do we think AJ smells? No, I think he okay. smells
1: fabulous. Yeah. I think he he <laughs> said, when that light is shining in your eyes on stage, you feel on top of the world. And I thought, Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's why they do it they just fucking love it i found the part as well about the court cases really interesting and how they got out of their contracts in slightly different ways so in sync the judge i think it was a female judge actually because lou was saying i am in sync i own the name yeah and he and the judge said well hang on a minute these are the five guys in in sync who my daughter has got on posters on her wall in her bedroom that's fucking ridiculous. And so she awarded it to them because they found that loophole in their contract, saying that they would have to be signed to an American label within a certain length yeah, of time. And he
0: signed them to Germany. Part of the, the his route into boy bands yeah. was they take them over to Germany, to Germany and first, bring them out to Europe. Where you know, we us Europeans, we love a bit of pop. We have a fucking competition every year that's yeah. just about finding the cheesiest pop record ever. Correct. Eurovision Song Contest. So we are. Europop, mm. so and it was his field where he would ground the boy bands, and that's start where start the buzz. Yeah, basically. that's where they got signed.
1: So when they had taken this to him, and all their lawyers had taken this to Lou's lawyers, and said, "We want out of the contract because you've breached your con- the contract here," Lou went fucking apeshit, and Lance said he he never saw him smile again after that. He just
0: completely yeah. changed. And that was also reminiscent of the way that he treated his childhood friend Alan yeah. Gross. So. It, and to me it had a feeling of the minute he finds out you're no longer of use he can't make money off you he can't utilize you use you mm. um you're hood, not used hoodwink to him you anymore. hustle you mm. into helping him make more money then you're dead to him. I know somebody I,
1: exactly like this. Is who it me? Sadly,
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't name on the podcast because I'll be sued.
1: But I know someone exactly like this and they're not a nice person to yeah. be around. But
0: Once you have no use to anymore, then it's the light goes off behind his mm. eyes and it's, you know... You're dead to me. Yeah. So Insync did it that way and
1: then Backstreet actually paid him off. They paid him out of the contract. Yeah. They put his one-sixth in a pot and said, here's your money, go, please please go away. But interestingly, going back to what you keep saying about him not being a great music impresario, I can say that word now, NSYNC then went on to have No Strings Attached immediately after this, and Backstreet had Millennium, which were their two
0: biggest albums, I believe, at immediately that point. After. Yeah. yeah, and you, immediately see those, after. you see those figures coming up where they talk about... Um, i can't remember which way around it is but both of them sold over a million albums in the first week and there's still a feeling with how it's presented in the film mm. that that the responsibility of that falls on Lou, mm. and it, it wasn't that that's the shit that you did and the success that you had after Lou, and i want them to take credit for that themselves yeah i want them to stand up and go we broke free of this mm. and this is the success that we had i get it i get where they're coming from without lou there funding them and you know putting it all together and and giving them the facility and the ability to become a boy band they wouldn't have been yeah but their big biggest successes came without lou and i need i I really want boy bands to stand up and acknowledge their own part in their success yeah and and i don't feel that they did that and And, but boy band
1: managers the ones that put them together are nigel martin smith as an example, Lou Pearlman, as an example, they sit there and they split and they scream and they shout and they say, if it wasn't for me, if it wasn't for me, and it's like, okay, mate, you're right, you had an important part in this band's history, but it's not all down to you. Yeah. You don't then get 90% of their business for the rest of eternity. That's Mm. not how it fucking works. And there's so much stuff in the industry about artists versus management and how they can't get on and everything else. And, it all comes down to this, that the the manager or the person that puts them together thinks they
0: are God. And, yeah. and Lou Pearlman had a fucking God complex. Yeah. I think possibly, having done this for lots, of the same is true of Tom Watkins, who did Bros yeah. and E17. I think the only person that that might not be true of, because of the way I've heard the guys talk about him, is Maurice Starr, who mm. did New Edition and New Kids on the Block. Yeah. That doesn't appear to been any of that oh Chris, Chris
1: Herbert who put together five and the Spice Girls oh yeah okay it's actually a really nice man I know two. him <laughs> so two what did you think about the bit where because they said I oh, I remember saying to you a while ago that Mike Cronin, who was Rich Cronin's brother, was managing O-Town. Mm. And he had said to O-Town, you, you know, there are rumours about Lou, just don't be alone in a room with him and all this stuff. And then Rich Cronin had gone on Howard Stern and done that interview. And I had he- I've had heard that interview before and I'd forgotten all about it, where he said Lou had told the guys from LFO that in Germany or in Europe, the way they do business is he wants to touch your... Can we say penis? We can, yeah, say, we penis. can say fuck. D- so we will dick. say penis. We want to touch your dick. So, in order to prepare you for this, I did um I minored in psychology, and so in order to prepare you for this emotionally, I'm gonna let you practice on me. Mm.
0: But so, so this this is more looper more bullshit because there's another point that he said he minored... he minored
1: in physical therapy. Yeah. So he would massage he did... Ashley
0: Angel. So, but he did an accountancy degree and i'm not sure that for anyone sake. minors in a, either accountancy and psychology or accountancy and physical therapy i'm not sure yeah. that they go and yeah so uh, yeah it's more bullshit more, and it, it actually for me cemented more of the aspect that he, he may have mm, been grooming in, yeah yeah you know this is but i can't he, imagine for one second that any well, I don't want to say any German record company executive <laughs> is saying <laughs> Just, to Lou Pullman, I'll give your your guys a contract, but I'm going to need the one dick. that I fancy to come over so I can touch his dick. Yeah, well, and that's it's what he openly. No. Like, not openly to the band's manager. Yeah. I'm going to touch your dick. So, uh,
1: the other, well, the final thing, really, that I want to touch on is, first of all, when he got thrown in prison... It, the the fraud was $250 million on the bank fraud and $250 million on the investor fraud.
0: So it was half a billion dollars yeah. he had defrauded people which of. Is, which is what he eventually went down for, yeah, half yeah. a billion.
1: And then he got put into prison and the judge said, I will let you off a month of your sentence for every million dollars you can pay back to these people. And then he started coming up with schemes that he was going to run from prison. But before that, when he was arrested in Bali, there was that photograph of him eating breakfast and the two FBI agents who had just happened to wander into the same breakfast <laughs> buffet. How did they not recognise him? Do you think they were
0: sat down already and he came in behind them? I I don't know. See, I, I've i never heard it told that way. I, the, the thing about the being two FBI agents... That was one of the things in the film. It was completely new to me. So right. I'd heard it as a couple of German tourists. So yes. he at the time he they were looking for him. His very last sighting in public was at, at an awards show in Germany. So it's being played in like Lupin was last seen in Germany. Do you know where he is? And it would get on <laughs> he TV went on the run. Of this, <laughs> of this shot of him in Germany. So it was two German tourists. The guy had seen him the day before. Thought that he recognised him and that was the guy he'd seen on the TV and then ended up sat next to him in the internet cafe at the hotel and was like, oh yeah, that's absolutely him. Mm. The next day, he takes a sneaky picture of him at breakfast, sends it off to a lady, I can't remember her surname, she's called Helen, Helen I want to say Helen a, Hunter, but it it's not Helen with an Hunter. H. It was definitely a, might be Hunt Lee. Yeah, no, um, I think that's all right, Helen Hunter. Helen, who worked for the Orlando Sentinel, who had been running... A blog. Reg, regular blogs yeah. where people that had been affected by this Ponzi scheme would go on, and she'd give daily updates as to what was happening. Yeah. He found her online, sent her the picture, and then with the German tourists found her online, sent her the picture, and then with his permission, she sent it off to the FBI. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there were two FBI agents sat there, I don't like they hadn't followed him and found him. It wasn't part of an investigation. No, but it was they, a coincidence. Weren't they there to find him though? I. He had. When he'd been communicating with his lawyer whilst on the run mm. and his lawyer had communications from him where his, his return address was Bali. Right. So they, they, but I don't know whether the lawyer would have told them that because that's lawyer-client privilege. No, but I think the way I took it
1: from the film was that they had had... Helen Huntley had had this email from that German tourist, Torsten somebody, and... The FBI have got agents all over the world, and they had contacted the ones in Bali, and they had gone to look for Lou. Or they had, they, for whatever reason, they they were in Bali ready to look for him, but they had gone to breakfast, and it happened to be <laughs> the, the same. same breakfast buffet Lou was in. The tourist takes the picture, and they're right sitting fucking next to each other in the <laughs> breakfast buffet. But if they knew from that point already that they were maybe they. Maybe they were just having breakfast before they started their day and he came in behind them. Maybe it's both them. things.
0: Maybe they were already looking for him in Bali and mm. at the same time the German tourist spots him <laughs> and tips <laughs> so, off the woman. Got it. And, mm. Speaking as a journalist, so you're tipped off and then all of a sudden lose. <sighs> been caught Mm. so your story the next day is my part in the capture of lou perlman i was tipped off so maybe it's both things are true yeah okay that makes sense i i we're not really ever gonna know are we no we're not but it just my my greatest takeout from any part of the loop oh then there's so many good nuggets from any part (laughs) of the lou perlman story that lou perlman 350 pound on the run (laughs) was found in a buffet Mm. It's where I'd be. If I was going on the run, I'd definitely head towards a buffet. On the
1: run, not on the run. If there's a buffet, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just go back to thinking that he was delusional because he was calling Alan Gross from jail saying that he was being framed, that it wasn't true. And this is
0: the childhood friend who he had ditched 20, 30 years Mm. before when Alan had been upset with him over the blimp insurance scam Mm. and he'd written off Alan they didn't speak then all of a sudden... He's his bestie again, making these prison phone calls.
1: Yep, and then he dies. And again, something not covered, again, probably because it's not relevant, is that he died as
0: a result of complications following surgery. Yeah. Had he had heart surgery. I don't know that it was heart surgery. So he had... His girlfriend, the the girlfriend that he never slept with, never (laughs) shared the same bed with him, was a nurse. And he'd met the nurse many years before because he had something wrong, I want to say his liver, I can't remember, he had something wrong and he refused to have surgery done because Because his mother mother had had died from complications of surgery, so he refused to have the surgery for this problem, Mm. so he had this nurse that would come in every day to look after him, Right. turned out that she would then go on to be his his girlfriend. Right, I remember this, yeah. And the, the ironic twist at the end of the story is that Lou is in prison and he is eventual death comes about because he's taken from prison for a surgery and dies from complications of surgery quite what the complications are I don't know he was a 300 plus pound man so I'd imagine that any general anaesthesia is going to be risky particularly risky yeah
1: and then Nikki Leach Mm. and then Nikki Leach says that all she felt when he died was relief because she
0: had felt terrorised, because he had threatened her. Yeah, I've got an insurance policy on you, which yeah. can only mean... Don't forget, I've got an insurance policy on you that can only mean one thing. That I'm going to do something bad to you like to get if money. if I want to carry on making money out of you, I've got one option left to me now. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, any flight you take. And there's also all that risk... To the, at one point, there's an insinuation that his his money's buried in the Bahamas. Oh, that yeah. Somewhere in the Bahamas his money. And there's all these little... He's got things hidden. And I guess as Nikki Leach... You know that he's made these videos of you naked. Mm. Where's he got those hidden? Yeah. When are those going to come out? Yeah. There's always that danger. There's always that. And even if she's not pursuing a career in the same field, whatever she's pursuing a career for that video to come out, and he's you know, he's a temperamental dude. You don't know when he's suddenly going to flip and yeah. and use it against you. He's not your mate anymore. Exactly. Whereas, you know, It's the whole dead to me scenario. Yeah, he exactly doesn't have to right. be nice. You're of no use. He can't make money out of you now actually maybe he can make money over you maybe he can sell the video yeah Yeah. or
1: bump you off yeah neither's great is it
0: so in conclusion nice guy a no, nice
1: guy <laughs> oh great man great great chap good hang yeah um yeah i i really enjoyed it i thought it was well put together well made i loved hearing from the band members and the artists themselves i loved seeing johnny Wright. i thought he was a really interesting character i loved alan gross i thought he was lovely i was really sad at the end when yeah. they said he had passed
0: my coincidence, so when i was doing a bit of loose search lou Perman research when we first started this mm. had come across a collection of blimp footage on youtube mm. which was all credited to alan gross oh, not great. realizing that that was the actual right. guy and the reason it's now up on youtube is because he donated his entire collection to the university yeah um i i absolutely yeah. adored the film yeah i think maybe it's aimed at someone with not quite as an extensive knowledge and yeah. obsession with lou as we've got because yeah. i just the there's too much. I'm kind of like, why didn't they bring this up? Why didn't they bring that up? But having then watched it again, it's a really complete story. Mm. It tells the the story of, of them getting put together as boy bands from their point of view and their discovery of actually who Lou was. So it it's a capsule of their part in, in one of America's biggest ever Ponzi schemes. Yeah. And that's all it needed to be. It was yeah. called The Boy Band Con and it's about how they you know how it affected them and and their cut of the story and it brings in the other historical bits because that builds up the character of Lou but Mm. all along it was going to be about how we were the biggest boy bands in the world and we got ripped off by this dude but there's these poor other people who now have nothing nothing I thought it was a brilliant film I couldn't recommend I was recommending it when I'd only seen trailers (laughs) yeah people they have to watch it but I would recommend it to anyone who's even not obsessed with Lou Perman mm. or Boy Bands. It's a great story. It is. It's really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah. yeah. So five yeah. out of five stars for me <laughs> well done lance bass yeah we really really what loved it lance. His, a lovely man and a lovely mum and justin that whole, that <laughs> was actually one of my favorite
0: bits when lance was sat there with his mum and they were looking at just, photos yeah and t- the the back and forth between them is yeah. just beautiful and the, the, the i get it it's a mum and a son and the yeah. affection is always going to be up there but that came across so well it really was beautiful to i was to really see that. surprised at how southern both the mums both diane bass
1: and oh justin's mum who's name it Linda Harless I can't we'll we'll double check that if there's a gap here it's because I've gone to re-edit her name (laughs) they were so southern yes I guess Justin Timberlake it is southern if you really listen to him but I think I don't know I just didn't expect that at all and yeah I thought they were lovely and really heartwarming and I really, I like the Backstreet Boys, with the exception of one member, but I really, 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 really like NSYNC. Yeah.
0: Like, I find, I think they're all I really nice boys. I think I would boys. definitely have been, if I was boy banding mm. at the time when that battle was there, mm. I would definitely have fallen on the side of NSYNC. I was both, for sure I was both, but <laughs> I I just now,
1: I, I, re- I love, there's not a single member of NSYNC I don't love. Yeah it's hard to say that about boy bands so so that's um, it the boy band con go watch
0: it it's on YouTube premium at the yeah. moment you can get a free month yeah do what Amy and I did you <laughs> sign up for your one month free trial and then you set yourself on alarm to cancel it in 30 days you don't days even time. need
1: to you can just cancel it immediately because it doesn't expire for 30 days yeah.
0: and you 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 too can watch The Boy Band Con five times times in less than four (laughs) days. It's a brilliant film. We're really pleased. We were so excited. It could have gone really badly for us. It could have been an absolute bummer for us. also,
1: we haven't discussed it until today. (laughs) Yeah, We were like, don't say anything, don't say anything, save it for the
0: podcast. So
1: we wanted to do this special episode and um, this should... Be in your
0: ears now. I was going to say this should be <laughs> dropping on this day, but you will already know because it's the be <laughs> end of it now. So, and we are now going to do. So, this is. I don't want to call it Lou Perlman Week. That sounds like a bit of like we're holding him up on a pedestal, which so, we are not. Um, I might call it. Oh, I'll come up with a better name than yeah. Lou Perlman Week. But Friday's episode is going to be two Lou, Lou boy bands. It's I've, Backstreet Boys and In Sync, isn't it? All squeezed into one tiny episode. <laughs> yeah, we're just gonna do the abridged versions of those. <laughs> there are some boys, they formed a band, they made money at the end. Um, no, so Friday is gonna be the continuation of what's not called Lou Pearlman Week. <laughs> not Lou Pearlman Week. Thank you very much for listening. Um we don't really have credits for this episode, do we? Oh, well, let's credit Lance. Yeah, so credit... The uh, filmmakers. Thanks, thanks go to the filmmakers. So there's Aaron Kunkel, who's the director, and Lance Bass, without whom none of this would have been possible. We love you, Lance. Oh, we love you so much. Uh, again, it's available on YouTube Premium. It's called The Boyband Con, The Lou Pearlman Story. And we'll speak to you on Friday. Yeah, bye. Bye. Bye
1: our uh, theme music is Dance with You by Fire Lights from the Songs About A Girl trilogy by Chris Russell if you haven't read the Chris Russell trilogy go and find them, Songs About A Girl they're great great songs great great books, <laughs> bye